Uh, We're going to turn our attention now to the scriptures, uh, Esther chapter 9, but also Philippians chapter chapter 4. We're, taking a, we're kind of in between things. We've just finished our series on discipleship. We're about to start our Advent series. And now we're, we're looking at uh, uh, giving thanks. Um, any idea why I decided to focus on that? Any guesses? It's Thanksgiving this weekend. And it got me thinking about times when uh, I'm joyful. And, and I want you to think about uh, occasions where you're excited, you're rejoicing, you're thankful. What, and this is interactive now. What are some of the things that go on in your life that you're, wow, this is an exciting thing? What, what, what things get you in a good mood? Disneyland? All right, hold on. I got to write this down. Hold on a second. Disneyland. A trip to Disneyland. Anything else? Baby Yoda. Okay, so... I've been having this, I won't, I won't name names, but I've been having this ongoing conversation about how, how excited someone is about Baby Yoda on the Star Wars series on Disney Plus, uh, The Mandalorian. So I've been very excited about that. Anything else? Peace and quiet. Family. Yes. I know there's other things. I was watching hands go up here, but suddenly you've become quiet. New baby. New baby. Anything else? Friends. friends. Hanging out with friends, good times. Loving wife. Huh? Loving wife. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Any other things? Circumstances. Circumstances that give you joy. Botox? Okay, we can go with that. Well, there are, there are many things. Circumstances that come into our lives, things that, that we don't, I mean, we don't have any control over, they just come our way, like, uh, like the Stanley Cup. Anybody here rejoiced? Well, that, was, that was kind of a more somber kind of reaction than I was anticipating. Uh, lots of things that happen that give us joy, make us thankful. But most of us, um, we tend to, uh, we wait on it for it to happen to us, to come our way. And what I want to say this morning is that it doesn't have to be that way. This morning we're going to learn that joy is not something we need to wait on or simply hope for. uh, But there's actually a discipline, a pattern of rejoicing that we need to build into our lives. And and I'm going to teach it to you just in time for Thanksgiving. Uh, Because Thanksgiving is a time of celebrating and family, but it's also a time of family. You know, I mean, it's, you know what I mean? There's family and then there's family. Um, And we we think these things happen to us, but how do we actually practice rejoicing? We're going to do that by looking at a fairly obscure book this morning, the book of Esther. If you're not familiar with the story, it goes like this. Uh, There is a beautiful young woman, a Jewish exile in Persia. Her name is Esther. And she was part of King, I, I, I practice this all week and it's even still, it's, it's hard, Ahasuerus. King Ahasuerus. You might know him by the easier name, Artaxerxes. Um, well, 
Esther was a part of his harem, and then she was advanced to queen when the, when the other queen fell out of favor. Now, the, the kingdom of Judah, the, the, uh, the Jews, were taken into cap- captivity by Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. And then the Persian Empire conquered the Babylonians, that, that's modern-day Iran. And many, many Jews were living in, uh, in Persia. And a man named Mordecai, who was Esther's cousin, but really her adoptive father, was an official in uh, the Persian Empire, and he discovers this plot to wipe out the Jews. Uh, And he's very concerned about it, and he calls upon Esther, who has access to the king. And he says, go and ask his help. Now, the thing to remember about this is that the prior queen had fallen out of favor. Esther was there not to be an advisor to the king, but to look good and to shut up. So the idea of her actually speaking to the king would put her in jeopardy and put her position in jeopardy, but she decides to do it um, for the love of her people. She risks herself. She approaches the king. She asks for relief, and she gets it, and the Jews are saved. Her people are saved, and Mordecai uh, sends a command out to all the provinces in the Persian Empire for the Jews to celebrate, but not simply celebrate that moment but to keep on celebrating and remember God's deliverance. Let's look at Esther chapter 9 together as we look at this command from Mordecai. And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month of Adar, that's roughly March, and also the 15th day of the same year, same year by year as the days in which the Jews got relief from their enemies and the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into holiday, uh, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days of sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. We have one more passage passage that's going to help us this morning, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. In verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Would you pray with me? Lord and Father, we come to you this morning and we, we pray that you might impress upon us your love, your, your deliverance uh, of us in Jesus Christ, uh, but also uh, many other blessings of family, of, of, of good friends, of uh, a deliverance from an illness, whatever it may be, Lord. Uh, remind us of your goodness that we might rejoice and give thanks from the heart. Help us, Lord, to make it uh, a pattern and a discipline on our, in our lives that we may honor you and that it would be a blessing to us. Work that in us this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, one of the things we didn't mention earlier, a circumstance or an event that might give us joy, it was a wedding. Okay, so weddings can be very joyous occasions, and I had a privilege uh, the privilege of attending a wedding recently it was a young couple that I had been counseling, and through various adversities, they'd found their way to this very hopeful, this very joyful moment. And, and maybe this seems uh, trivial, 
but uh, I was struck with the music they had uh, had picked for various parts of, of the wedding service. Uh, one was the, the, the prelude was the instrumental version of A Million Dreams from the show Greatest Showman. That's the song that's playing right now. And there's something about it that's just, uh, it just lifts my spirit every time I hear it. Um, and, uh, and hearing the instrumental of it, I, I was just, oh, I'm ready for the wedding. I am so into what's about to, to happen. And then later in the service, during the recessional, they played another song by a man named Ben Rector called Brand New. And it just starts out with this piano and, and percussion. And uh, uh, I, you know, this, this kind of wootings, you know. And I, at the end, as they were leaving, I just wanted to stand up on my chair and hoop and holler. I was just so excited uh, about what was happening. Um, now, maybe these songs aren't the songs that speak to you in the same way. But you have songs, don't you? Songs that lift your spirits. What, what, are, what are some songs for you that really, really lift your mood? Anybody want to share? Yes, Matt. Bended knee, okay. So will I. So hold on. We'll go here and then there. Yes? Alive again by Russ Moore. And raise a hallelujah. That was mentioned in the earlier service, too. Anything else? Happy. I love that song to you. I do. There are, there, are, there are things that we can listen to that really raise our spirits. And as I was driving home from the wedding, I uh, found those songs on YouTube, uh, YouTube music, and I just wanted to keep the good feelings going all, all the way home. And you can, you can talk to my children. Uh, they're, they're, they're like learning to hate these songs because I just keep playing them over and over again. Um, and it occurred to me as I was driving home how joyful I was and all that, how seldom I live in that feeling. Some of us have personalities that are given to joy and positivity, but not most of us. Uh, and even those who are naturally inclined to it, you know, you can get stuck in a funk, in a malaise. Um, can we learn to actually practice joy and be joyful, not just have it happen to us. Uh, that's, that's the challenge that Mordecai had for his people. And that's really the challenge that we have from scriptures. You know, God has blessed us. He blessed the, the people of, of uh, the Hebrew people in that time of deliverance from a persecution. He's delivered us from sin and death in the person of Jesus Christ. He's blessed us with new life. So can we learn to be joyful? Yes, we can learn to practice joy as we live in God's mercy for us. And the first way we do that is by letting ourselves be in the moment of, of whatever awesome thing is happening. I tend to live in the past or in the future. Things, you know, mulling over what's happened or thinking about planning about what's going to happen in the future. But I'm, <laughs> I'm so often not in the moment, particularly when something awesome is happening. The Jewish people here were threatened by a, person, a Persian persecution. They are going to be wiped out. And they lived under fear and dread of all that. And God delivered them. And it was a moment of celebration because God had turned mourning to joy. Um, again, Esther 
chapter 9, verse 22, Mordecai was writing these things down and asking them to ce- or commanding them to celebrate as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies, as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into holiday. Celebrate. I don't know if this is just my experience, but I feel like life is full of discouragements, both large and, and small. And when something good happens, I tend to be wary about it. Okay, well, that's fine. That's good. But tomorrow, huh, you know, something bad's going to happen. I don't want to get too excited. You know, uh, I naturally have what I call joy constipation. I just <laughs> can't. Let me share something with you that I'm still learning. Celebrate every win. Every win. The birth of a friend's baby, a good grade on a test, a medical test, a medical result that came back with good news, a birthday, a child coming home from the holidays. You know, my, my son, my eldest son is coming, you know, in his first semester of freshman year, and uh, he has his car now, and most of the time he's been coming home. It's not been a good thing. He's, 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 been, he, he's been having a hard time. And uh, when I saw him come home this, pa- this past uh, week, and he walked through the door, I was working on my computer. I wasn't really expecting him to walk through the door. He came through the door, and he sm- had a smile on his face. Oh, it felt so good. So good to see you. So good to have you home. Celebrate every win. You'll find the parking place. Praise Jesus. <laughs> See, you're bringing me down, man. <laughs> you're talking about getting parking tickets. If, and if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, always remember that no matter what happens in this life, that's, that's going to be turned, that pain will know redemption. That's why Paul exhorts us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. No, our salvation, for those of you who are in Christ, your salvation is not something just in the past. It's something of present value, of eternal value. So get lost in the moment that even in pain, God is going to redeem it. And then when really good things happen, man, get lost in it. Let yourself celebrate. It was that spirit that, that inspired the first Thanksgiving. Now, I know those of you who are students of history, there's lots of questions about what's the real origin of Thanksgiving. I get it. But I'm going to go with, uh, with, with this quote from uh, William Bradford, who was the first governor of, the, of Plymouth Colony, as the inspiration for Thanksgiving. And he was describing in his journals a drought that had been going on from May to July in 1623, and they set aside a day of prayer for God to deliver them from it. And this is what, this is what he writes about God's response. And he, the Lord, was pleased to give them a gracious and speedy answer, both to their own and the Indians' admiration that lived among them. For all the morning and the greatest part of the day, it was clear weather and very hot and not a cloud or any sign of rain to be seen. Yet toward evening, it began to overcast. And shortly after, to rain with such sweet and gentle showers and gave them cause of rejoicing. And afterwards, the Lord sent them such seasonable showers with interchange of fair, warmer weather as through his blessing caused a fruitful and liberal harvest to their no small comfort and rejoicing. 
For which mercy, in time convenient, when they had the opportunity, they set, also set apart a day of thanksgiving. They were, they were afraid that they were going to starve. And God delivered them. And so they had a party. And they celebrated. And that's the first thanksgiving. God turns sorrow into gladness, so we celebrate that. And you should do that. When you have a win, go and celebrate it uh, with a trip to your favorite restaurant. Or maybe it's just a trip to Mickey D's. I don't know. You know, when my kids were little, going going to Mickey D's was a a cause for celebration in and of itself. Celebrate it. Maybe it's a modest celebration. Maybe it's an extravagant celebration. Maybe it's just a hoop and holler. Can anyone say Gloria? Yeah, I was hooping and hollering when 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 the when the Blues won won the uh, Stanley Cup. But whatever it is, celebrate the moment. Now I know it's true that not every moment is a moment for exuberance, but in Christ every moment has redemption. A moment of failure has forgiveness behind it. Uh, in Christ, a moment of weakness has the promise of strength from the Holy Spirit. In Christ, the moment of loss of a loved one is informed by the resurrection. God speaks into even our pains with hope and therefore joy. Rejoice and give thanks to the Lord for he is For he is He's good. And we shouldn't just wait for the joyful circumstance to come into our lives to happen to us. We, we should build it into our lives, make a practice of it, uh, and build it not only into our lives, but into the lives of others. That's what we see um, in, in other verses in uh, Esther chapter 9. Uh, it says this in verse 20, and Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them. You must have fun. Go have fun, celebrate, to keep the 14th day of the month, uh, Adar, and also the 15th day of the same year by year. Do it every year, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Mordecai sends word to the Jews everywhere to celebrate their current deliverance, but he told his people to celebrate that deliverance over two days, the 14th and 15th of the month, Adar. Now, Jews had a lunar calendar, so every cycle of the moon was a new month. And as a result, it, they kind of had some interesting ways of adjusting it over the years. But Adar basically corresponds to March. So every March, in the middle of the month, set aside two days and celebrate. And it was known as the uh, celebration of uh, Purim. Uh, it's a festival of eating and drinking, of exchanging gifts but also giving gifts to the poor. Now, why does he add that? Because not everyone has the resources to have a good party. And everyone should be part of this celebration. So he wants to make sure the the poor can celebrate with everyone else. Uh, When the people of God have something to celebrate, it's good and right to ensure all the people of God can join in that revelry. So we need to rejoice and give thanks build it into our lives, help others build it into their lives. And, and when, when all of God's children party well together, he's pleased. You know, When he sees us playing well together, he is pleased. There's, there's nothing more 
joyful for me as a father than when I hear my children laughing and playing and carrying on together. Mm. Deep satisfaction. And the Lord feels that way about us. He doesn't want anybody left out. So if someone doesn't have the resources, you give them the resources so they can join the party. That's one of the reasons we've invited you to be part of that food drive for Thanksgiving. We want everybody to celebrate the goodness of God this week. What's interesting, too, is that the Jewish people built into their communal lives all kinds of celebrations. Sometimes, Most of the time it was commanded by God in his, in his law, but, but here you see... Uh, Mordecai just taking the initiative on his own to celebrate it. Now it's enshrined in scripture. And we could walk through the biblical feast through the year. In March, you have this feast of, uh, of Purim. Uh, then in March, kind of April, you have Passover. The week after that is the festival of unleavened bread. Then in April, you have uh, the feast of first fruits. Uh, in May, the feast of weeks, and we tend to call that Pentecost. Um, the Feast of Trumpets or the New Year, that's in September. Day of Atonement, also in September. The Feast of Tabernacles, sort of celebrating God, bringing, bringing the Jews faithfully through the desert, that's in October. And then the Feast of Ded- Dedication that you would know as Hanukkah, not in our scriptures, but it's in intertestamental writings in the book of Maccabees, God delivering uh, his people then. Uh, that's, that's nine celebrations through the year. Most of the months have some major communal celebration. Now, as Christian, Protestant Christians in, in the West, how many, how many big communal celebrations do we have? Two, maybe three, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, kind of. Man, we need to build celebration into our, our lives um, and take every opportunity to, uh, to do so. If you see when, it's time to celebrate, not just by yourself, but with friends. Now, I was reading this story uh, from a woman named Kathy Williamson. She's a believer, and she writes this blog. It's really more about fashion. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, but she included this story in, in her blog uh, about something she had gone through. I want to share it with you. It's, it's, she was celebrating something she was calling her cancerversary. Um, she writes this, Today, uh, July 1st, 2018, Today, July 1, is my five-year cancerversary. I'm sure everyone has heard that when you've had cancer, making it to five years is the goal. Making it to five years with the kind of breast cancer I had, TNBC, triple negative breast cancer, is major. When I was diagnosed five years ago, I had never heard of TNBC. Of course, I went straight to Google. By the way, it's a bad thing. Don't do that. I went straight to Google. One of the first things that had popped up was this. Five-year survival rates for TNBC, also tend to be lower for triple negative breast cancer. This means that there is a higher risk of death when cancer does reoccur. And you can imagine how scary reading that statistic was. Cancer is a life changer. We are all touched by it in one way or another. I absolutely hate it. But I am, I am a different person because of it and actually grateful for it. As bad as the ordeal was, it has given me so much, and I wouldn't trade it, trade any of it. It brought our family together like nothing else. It gave me a platform to hopefully help other women going through it. I have been celebrating all week long. 
My husband had a party for me this past Wednesday night with family and good friends that had been on this journey with me. I'm so grateful for the love and support I had and continue to have. Five years, woohoo! I mean, she's excited and she's celebrating it. She's, she's, she's celebrating the moment. But we need to keep celebrating by building it into our lives. The remembering of an anniversary, the Christmas, the Easter, the Thanksgiving, yes, but a cancerversary or a sobriety day or a first date or a first kiss. Uh, I, I remember the day I first kissed my wife. I have the date in my head. And we used to celebrate it pretty regularly. Um, and then, you know, I fell away from it. Uh, and writing the sermon, I realized that was a mistake. I need to go back and celebrate the fact that this beautiful woman came and brought redemption into this sad and melancholy life that I had. The Lord is a God of redemption. And you celebrate it wherever you can. And finally... We need more than just to celebrate the moment or build a pattern of it into our life. We need to build a discipline of rejoicing into our lives, into our thinking. Yes, celebrate the moment. Yes, build it into the rhythm of your life. But you need to create a daily, moment-by-moment discipline of rejoicing. And that's what Paul challenges us to um, in in that, that... Verse in Philippians, a new way of thinking. Verse 8 in chapter 4 of Philippians. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You know, when your mind wanders, when you have that moment, to kind of just not think about anything because you have to, but you, you just are there and, and your mind wanders. Where does it go? Does it go to random memories or strange musings on curiosities, uh, unresolved questions, or do they go to hurts and bitterness and resentments? You know, the desire to give thanks, the the, the impulse to rejoice is often stymied by our instincts to dwell on pains and hurts and comparisons with other people, evaluating ourselves by what we don't have. And the comparison, comparison the, the language of scarcity, it robs us of joy. How many of you are familiar with the Eads Bridge? You know what the Eads Bridge is? Every St. Louisan should know this. <laughs> so the Eads Bridge goes across here in St. Louis from Missouri over into Illinois, or Illinois into Missouri, or however, however you want to look at it. And it was the first bridge in the world to be built with steel. Um, Andrew Carnegie, who was a poor Scottish immigrant, uh, was the first steel magnate, and he provided the steel for that and, and, and actually financed a lot of the bridge in hopes of opening up um, uh, uh, steel to, to markets all over the world, and it did. Um, he was... Uh, he was an incredible businessman, uh, but he had a drive to amass wealth. Now, why did he have that? Well, because he wanted to beat in business John Rockefeller. 
Um, and he had this animosity towards Rockefeller because Rockefeller had ruined his mentor, a man named Tom Scott. And his thoughts were filled with this idea, I need to best Rockefeller in business. It didn't matter that Carnegie was one of the richest men in the world. He was second to Rockefeller, and it wasn't enough. And inter- interestingly, Carnegie, in his, in his youth, and he was raised in a Christian setting and, and, and maintained some vestige of Christian faith all through his life, but earlier in his life, he had written this. The amassing of wealth is one of the worst species of idolatry. No idol more debasing than the worship of money. What happened to him? He found himself doing the very thing he condemned because his thoughts were filled with vengeance. And it crowded out gratitude. Paul says, fill your thoughts with reasons to give thanks, to, uh, to be joyful, to, to have gratitude. And I know a lot of us in the modern day think it's Oprah that has sort of popularized the idea of, be, of being grateful. But actually, she got it from Paul, Okay. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know, some of us have professions that lead us to engage with the really heartbreaking things that we see in this fallen world. If you're in law enforcement, for instance, or if you're in social work, or you're a counselor, or you're a doctor, or many others, if you're a pastor. Um... And it's easy to dwell on how terrible fallen life can be. And so it's so important for us to discipline our thinking and to think actively on the goodness of God, the tastes of redemption that we have that will find fulfillment in the great banquet at the resurrection. How can you do that? How can you have your thoughts focus on these things? Well, as I mentioned before, one of the ways I do it is through music. Sometimes I'm listening to a song that leads me to exuberance. I just want to dance around, do a jig. You know, I'm just so excited. Yes, I do a jig sometimes. (coughs) Ask my children. Sometimes it leads me such deep expressions of gratitude um, that it brings me to tears. And I think about life as a parent of uh, of twins. Some of you here are parent, uh, parents of multiples. My mind goes to the hard times, the changing diapers, the rocking, the children, always holding somebody, wishing someone would just come hold my baby. It's so labor intensive. Uh. And then other times I go, I'm the father of two beautiful young ladies. Why would God be so good to me? thankful for family or for friends, for life, for breath. Maybe it's not music for you. Maybe it's journaling. So what gives you joy? Write that down. Revisit that list. Meditate on it. Turn them over and around in your writing. Think, think, think about it. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's going out into nature. What clears your mind of the brokenness of life and opens up your heart to the things that are true, that are honorable, that are commendable, that are praiseworthy? Whatever that is, Do that and do it regularly. Build it into your daily habits or you're going to drown in the misery of fallen life. So the question for all of you is what what will you do? What will you do with this challenge 
this Thanksgiving, this holiday season, as family gathers, uh, will you celebrate the moment? Will you work uh, to build celebration into your life with new, maybe new traditions that you're going to carry on? Will you exercise discipline in your thought life to think about the goodness of God? The Lord of redemption invites you into rejoicing. The choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for reminding us of your goodness. Yes, life is fallen. Life is filled with discouragements, but you are good. Have our minds dwell on that. Think on that. And produce in us a joyfulness, a thankfulness that comes from the heart, a worship that is in spirit and in truth. Father, do this for our good and your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.